This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Ahoy ni haris! Welcome to Children's Day. The very reason that you're here is because you are a child and you had parents and that's why we are all here. Now, some of the children are having uh, treasures and parties there and we will not be left out. Today we'll be talking about treasures as well. But before we start, can I invite us to um, speak to God? I'll speak on our behalf and uh, we'll ask Him to help us to learn more about treasures. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You who knows all things, You know where each of us have been the past week, the good, the bad, the joy, the sorrows. You know what is ahead of us that we do not. You know where we are today. We pray that as we get to hear from the Bible, that You will engage our minds and our hearts and our will so that we will have the capacity, the energy to just engage on the topic of treasure. Pray all this for your glory. Amen. Now, treasures. Many of us love a good treasure hunt story. Now, whether the treasure maps lead the heroes or the heroines to tombs, to the sea, to the caves, we enjoy a story of adventures for treasures. In fact, one of my favorite uh, movie series as a kid was the Indiana Jones. Is there anyone's favorite as well? All right. Where the younger Harrison Ford, he would get into various adventures searching for hidden treasures of untold worth. And the music really gets to you if you're into... Can you hear me? And the treasures uh, that he searched for, and the music gets to you whenever you hear the music, and you know Harrison Ford is going to get on a horse or something, and, and the adventure is going to go forward. And of course, the films was a big office hit. It's written by Steven Spielberg. Hundreds of millions of dollars comes in, and the movie franchise itself is a treasure chest. Well, I'm sure you have other films, books, or even games that involves treasures that you have memory of. Now, I suspect, I suspect one possible reason that we love a good treasure hunt story is the fact that we ourselves are familiar with searching for treasures in the journey of our own lives. Now, treasures can come in many forms, the most obvious being money, possessions, although we would consider special relationships, jobs, or reputations to be great treasures that are worth investing our lives to acquire. This morning, we come to an interesting passage that speaks about treasures, but it is quite different from all the other stories we might have been used to about treasure hunting. Now, before we look at the passage, let me just give us a little bit of a backdrop. This Um, passage comes from a man named Jesus 2,000 years ago. The scene was the backdrop of a beautiful mountain and there were Jewish people and the followers of Jesus coming to him. And as they arrive and come towards him, Jesus sat on the mountainside and he begins to teach life-changing truths that would challenge his hearers' approach to seeking treasures in life. 
Now, the crowd back then never considered themselves to be just accumulation of atoms and molecules. To them, life is special, human is special. According to scriptures, humans are made in the image of God. They view life with a certain destination. And this destination, their relationship with the Creator God is part of the puzzle. Well, in our generations, not everyone would agree that God exists, or even there's a God that it is the God in the Bible. But over this next 25 minutes, I'll just like to still invite you on this journey to ponder over what Jesus has to say about treasures in life. Why so? First of all, all of us have treasures or are accumulating treasures. We have things that our lives and our emotions are fully invested in. Consciously or unconsciously, we are investing our days, our years, our life to store up treasures. But to add to that, it is worth hearing what Jesus has to say to people like us who value life because Jesus has a very, very high view about your life and my life. He does not think that we are mere molecules just add up together. He thinks that we are much more of, of a much greater worth than that. That's why when he comes to this passage, he speaks about treasures or ex- treasures that we exchange our lives in terms of earthly value or heavenly values. So if you take this journey with me, then we'll begin with this very first verse from today's passage. It's taken from the Bible, from the book of Matthew, in the sixth chapter, verse 19. To the followers and the crowds that come to Jesus, he said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, what does it mean, do not store up treasures for yourselves on earth? Well, first up, Jesus is not merely speaking about money or possessions that are in your pocket or in your bank account. Otherwise, many of us will think that it's totally not relevant. We'll start quoting Jack Neal's famous film, Money No Enough, because we are bleeding money so much day to day that there's nothing left to store, so don't worry about this. No, Jesus is not talking about the money that you have in your pocket. Jesus rather is speaking about not what a person has, but what a person thinks about wealth. And possessions. Jesus is speaking about our attitude towards wealth and possession. In fact, Jesus is challenging us to consider our whole attitude towards this one life that we have. What are the treasures we are willing to exchange our lives for? Now, we might consider our treasures to be money and all that money could buy. Our earthly treasures could be our grabs for good reputation, praises from people, relationships, comfort, pleasures, all those things that we really want. Our treasures could be our identity in our home, that country-style home that we have designed, that we are so proud of. Our identities could be the computer games that we spend so much time in because that is our identity. There are countless of examples. So to put it as a general definition, our treasure really are what we believe will give us our ultimate satisfaction and meaning. 
in life. Our treasures are what really defines us when we honestly examine ourselves. Now, I'm going to give us an exercise here. Okay, Whether we consider ourselves financially rich or poor, whether we're a man or a woman, whether we're young or old, let me ask, in fact, let us pause and examine ourselves for this moment and ask, what are your treasures in life? Can you think of it? What are your treasures in life? What are your treasures in life? If you find it hard to think, let me give you another way to think about it. Try this one. What were your best friend, look at your best friend if it's he or she is around, or your parent, or your children, or your spouse, say are your treasures when they look at you? What are the things you are constantly thinking about? Things you are constantly investing your time, your money, your emotions into things you are willing to exchange your life, your time to gain them. What are your treasures? Now, if you can think of them and you're starting to try to think for them, if we can think of what our treasures are, then what Jesus says here become both challenging as well as amazing. He says, do not store up treasures on earth. He's saying to his listeners, you must not make something the center of your life if its values only last while you still breathe. Jesus warns, we must not invest in the good things on earth as if they are the God things that are worth our soul. Now, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we invest? Well, two reasons he gives. The first reason is explained negatively in verse 19. It is because we will eventually lose them. Jesus says, moths and vermin can destroy them. Thieves can break in and steal. That's the first reason because we will eventually lose them. The second reason is explained in verse 20 in a positive way. And he's saying that because we are worth more than that. Jesus says this in the next sentence, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, I want to consider the first reason. We will all lose our earthly treasures at some point in time because worldly treasures are transitory. They pass away very quickly. I remember one of my children, I shall not name which one, one of my children will get really sad whenever we go for a holiday or enjoy a good meal. Uh, he or she would often in this very sad, teary, whiny voice saying, Daddy, can we come here again? Daddy, can we have one more? The ice cream is still in the hand. Daddy, can, can we keep having this holiday? You know, in fact, Daddy, the holiday is going to end when the plane just touched down for the next seven days. You know, I used to reply in a slightly impatient way. I, I usually say this, Darling, can you stop worrying and just enjoy yourself. But let's reflect on my child's response. I realize he or she verbalized a wisdom that as adults we soon forget. And the wisdom is this. We will, and we know this, we will always lose what we are enjoying at the moment. We do know that the pleasure is slipping away. That packet of potato chips that you held in your hand that gives you pleasure, the late night Netflix, 
the holiday that you, you work your, your, your sweat out just to go for it, they pass. We do know we'll soon be robbed of what we cannot keep. The house, the expensive design and furnitures, the money we accumulate. Now, I remember I was working in a financial industry during the 2008 financial crisis where the company that I was working on with, its shares plunges 69% in two days. And over a short period of time, 95%. I could literally see the horror in the eyes of people around me in that district. The horror in the eyes of my colleagues who have been there for decades where they have been given company stocks for years and years and the value is dropping by the hour. Can you imagine sitting there? Well, I was cool. I didn't have that much of shares or invested there. But look at those who are in the senior positions. It was dropping like crazy. Now, there are countless ways where moth or rust or thieves or fire or financial crisis can rob us of possessions that have become our treasures. Now, even the spouse we love, and we have heard this before, a well-loved spouse will say to the other, can you please try your best not to die before me? Have you heard that before? The fear of losing a loved one is unbearable. But yet time and death are thieves that you cannot ward off and they come and they rob and they steal. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. If you store up only treasures on earth, they will quickly wither or our earthly temporal treasures will become worthless or else our strong arms today will be too weak to hold on to them when the time comes. No, we can leave our wealth like treasure chests for the next Indiana Jones, Laura Craft, Jack Sparrow to enjoy, but not a coin can you and I bring when time runs out. That's why you have treasure maps, because people can't keep them. So what can we do? Well, here is the positive point where it goes up, where Jesus continuously says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Why? Because moths and vermins can't get there to destroy. Thieves are not able to access and break and steal. Now, while we hold on for a little while treasures on earth, Jesus says, what you store in heaven, you hold on for eternity. And that is an amazing news. It's an amazing news. Well, that is if we believe that we are more than mere molecules and there is actually a God and because there's a God, there's actually a heaven. And it's here that I would like to bring us to a bigger picture of the Bible. And one of the most important truths the Bible tells us wherever you flip is this, there is more to life than what our eyes can see. Now, just one chapter before today's passage, Jesus said this, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. Of heaven. What Jesus is saying there really is this that there is a place called heaven. 
and for those who recognize they are spiritually poor. That is, they recognize that they have nothing to offer to a God who has everything. And they can only come to God with empty hands, fully depending on God to give them access to heaven. Then these people, Jesus says, who are spiritually poor, they will surprisingly find heaven. Now, how does this work? How does how do people who recognize they are spiritually poor end up in heaven by turning to God? Well, I've got just one more passage for us to look at from Bible to help us understand the relationship between people, between people, God, and heaven. And it's found in a letter written by one of those followers of Jesus. It's found in this letter, because First Peter one, verse three to four. Let me read that for us slowly. The writer says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now, this passage does sound very dense at first reading. So let me try to unpack it for us. Basically, what Peter, the follower of Jesus, is saying is this. He says, number one, there is a God. Number two, he is the father of Jesus, who is both a king and a rescuer. And God offers you and I new life that will never perish or spoil or fade in heaven. And we, we need this new life because our old life is heading towards death. Because our old life bears the consequence of our rejection of God. And because of that, our old life bears the marks of our, our rebellion, our hurts against people we love, even strangers. Our old life bears all this mark and is heading to death. And we need this new life. And God says, I want to give it to you. And God does it by sending Jesus historically into our world. He died, he says, to pay for our wrongs that we deserve. And he resurrected from the dead to eternal life so that we may also have that. Now, that is the central message of the Bible. If I were to explain it another way, it is this. We are separated from God because we have rejected him. We are 100% heading to death. But God loves us and He sends Jesus down for us to die for sin, to take our place of punishment if we will ask Him to. And Jesus rose from the dead so that we too will know that death might not have to be our ending, but heaven can be the destination if we turn back to God and believe in Jesus. That is the central message of the whole Bible of who Jesus is and what He has come to do. Now to be clear, those of you who may not believe in Jesus or, or, or what the Bible says, to be clear for all of us that God or heaven or about Jesus, all these things actually hinges on a very crucial thing. It hinges on the fact that this Jesus is a real person. It hinges on the fact that he historically really died, that historically he really rose physically from the dead. Everything hinges on that. Because if that is not true, then the Bible has nothing for us. But this is not a fact that we can put in a laboratory lab to test to see whether it is true or not. But that's where we turn to history to see if it is a historical fact. In fact, the historians 
have tried hard all centuries for 2,000 over years to unpack it from the first century Jewish or Roman historians like Josephus. He's not a Christian. He writes about resurrection to, to the present days like Lee Strobel, writers like that, that search and find in historical ways to see if this makes sense. Now, feel free to catch me later if you want to find out more about the historicity of Jesus. But for us, if you're visiting for the first time, uh, we have this book called Original Jesus. It's for you for free. Later, please take one. It's a gift for, from us to use. Just a thin book. But for you to consider Jesus for who he is and the historicity of it. There'll be other ways that you are free to uh, come and speak to me and we can think together. But here's the point. If Jesus did not die and resurrected, doesn't resurrect, Uh, he can't offer us anything. But if he did, then he can with complete authority tell us that even if you die, I can get you up. Only a person who overcomes death can make that statement. And only a perfect one from God can bear the judgment we deserve and offer heaven that we do not. Treasures that will never spoil or perish or fade waiting for those who believe in Him. That is the central message of the Bible. Now, someone may ask, but how does this link back to today's passage in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Does it mean, does Jesus mean I have to earn my way to heaven? Absolutely not. Because that will contradict what we have all we have been saying. Remember today's passage in its context. They are talking to people who believe in God and are following Jesus. To them, Jesus is saying this. He says, live your life for what is ahead. Live with heaven in mind. No, it's like a man or woman who has already set their wedding day. Well, we have quite a few already set their days for next year. You know, their spouse-to-be have already said yes. So now, from now to their wedding day, they will no longer flirt with their colleagues. They will not go for those indecent bachelor or bachelorette parties. They don't do these things anymore, not because they are trying to earn a marriage, but because they are heading for their marriage. Again, it is the attitude of life that their eyes look towards the place that they are heading towards. Now, for Christians... This for Christians, it might mean making sacrifices so that others will have a chance to hear about Jesus. You know, so families and friends that you love and I love, even strangers, will have a chance to find out about God's love for them. That will be the most beautiful treasures we can have. That those that we long for are there for eternity. No, ever since the second and third centuries, uh, writers like Tertullian have said that the blood of martyrs it's the seed of the church. What it means is this, that Christians, it's not by brute force that we make people Christians. Rather, for Christians, because we have come to know Jesus, we see others as precious and we're willing to sacrifice so that they may also receive what we are freely given. Now, a missionary by name Jim Elliot, he died young telling man-eating tribe in Ecuador, about God's love, he said, it is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's not foolish to spend a life we can't keep anyway to earn and to bring people to eternal life that they can never lose again. Now, I know of a lady in Australia who earns quite decently, but no, she had this 
awful broken sofa in her house. And her housemate tells me this. Every time she was about to buy a sofa, she would, because she's so involved, she hears about missionaries struggling in places, and she ends up giving her sofa money to, uh, to the ministry, and she says, you know what, this thing can wait. I don't even use it very much. Now, a dear friend of mine who was from the Middle East, he became a Christian in Australia. And he went back with all his children, young newborns, with his Aussie wife, to the place where it was his home. And his life is difficult. Because there, he's now considered an apostate, meaning he's one who betrayed his former religion for Christianity. Life is terrible. Why did he go back? Just so that he can tell his people, his family, about Jesus. Who else will go, he says, if I don't? Now, to Christians, here's Jesus' challenge for us. Live with the future in mind. Use our time, our resources, our possessions that are temporal worth together, treasures that will last forever. Now, every single person here in this room, all of us, are worth more than the greatest treasures on this earth. Everyone in this room and beyond the walls are more valuable than the totality of our atoms and molecules. We are created with potential to live eternally with God if we can deal with our rejection of Him. That only Jesus can do. Now, how does this work out for the lives of Christians? Now, there are countless ways it could be giving financially so that people can bring the gospel to somewhere that we can't. It could be ourselves speaking about Jesus to whoever is just willing to listen. It could be office, it could be home, anywhere else. It could be bearing the mockery when people laugh at you and you drink it up. It could be praying for Christians who are in danger that they will just stand firm and not give up. It could be encouraging another Christian to persevere in times of difficulties. It could be forgiving someone who has hurt you deeply so that that person can have a chance to know Jesus. No, this week there was a very emotional video that was posted on the Gospel Coalition website. There was this man... This man whose brother was murdered by a woman, and he was giving his testimony in court. You can watch it as a video. He said to the woman who murdered his brother, he looked at the woman, he said this, if you are truly sorry, I, speak, I can speak for myself, I forgive. And I know if you ask, go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. I don't think anyone can say it again, I'm speaking for myself, but I love you just like anyone else. I'm not going to say that I hope that you rot and die like my brother did but presently I want the best for you. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what my brother would want you to have. The best would be to give your life to Christ. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that my brother would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you. As he finished it up, he turned and then he looked at the judge and he said, you know, I, I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug? That woman that just murdered my brother. Now it was the cause that this man was willing to pay so that another may get to know Jesus and get to know God and find forgiveness and receive eternal life. It never comes cheap. The gospel never comes cheap. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, for those of us who are hearing Christianity for the first time perhaps or are just pondering about the message of 
Christianity, can I just put it out there for you? you know that if someone invites you to church or tries to share to you about God, about human rejection, or God, sometimes using the word offensive word called sin, talk about Jesus, about his death and resurrection, you know, it's not because Christians have too much time or Christians are very pushy. Often we are quite frightened, but rather we do this because you are precious. All of us need to deal with the consequence of rejecting God to be our own gods, our hurting of others, be strangers or families, that we have to pay for it. Nothing goes unseen. Sometimes Christians might sound judgmental to you as if we're better, but that is never, ever the case. Because we are just like dying ants who have discovered a mountain of food and honey and we are just going around telling people what we have tasted and where to find it. Now, at times it comes with great cause of the fear of losing relationships. Because when we ask you, you may say, hey, you know, just keep your mouth shut. And we, we are afraid of losing you. But nevertheless, because God was willing to pay the price of his own son, his own death, so that we can be forgiven and that we do not pay the price of our wrongs. We know that God loves us and forgives us and it didn't come cheap on him. And so we do that. No, dear friends, whether you're a Christian or just kind enough today to take this journey with us to look at the word that Jesus has this morning, the question comes back as we head off is, what are your treasures in life? Are you living this one life that you and I have for treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? Do you know that Jesus will offer us a relationship with God and a place in heaven? Here's the thing. Jesus rounds up these words about treasures by saying, verse 21, he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, if we are willing to take a moment today to consider where our treasures, it would be great. Because if our treasures are on earthly treasures, our wealth, our homes, our reputation, our experiences, you know what will happen? Our hearts get drawn to it. In fact, our eyes get drawn to it. Our worldview is not always shaped by rationale. Our worldviews are shaped by what our treasures are. But if our treasures are in heaven, our relationship with God, the salvation of people around us, people we love, about heaven, then our eyes, our hearts will be drawn to that. Our eyes will be looking at eternity and our worldview and our way of living gets shaped by it. And sometimes Christians do foolish things with their things in their pockets and their bank accounts because their view is just different. And then our loyalty will be pointed to the master who sold us his treasure. If the master who sold us his treasure is money and possessions, we will work with that master. If the master who sold us the treasure is God and the blood of Jesus, then we turn to him and our life gets shaped in that direction. Now, if you're not a Christian, but you're here today because you have been invited to come or you have been coming you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to first of all thank you to just come and spend time with us. You could be sleeping tonight, this, this morning, but you came. I want to thank you for being here and to hear the Bible. My invitation then for you, since you have made the effort to come, is to consider and engage with what the Bible says about Jesus. Don't take my word for it. 
but engage with what the Bible says. Is it true? Is it historically true? Did the Bible say that God, Jesus really is God's son? Did Jesus really die for sins? Did he really rise from the dead? Because if these are not historically true, I say let's throw this away because it's worth nothing. But if it is historically true, if it is true, then what Jesus says carries a big difference. If it's not true, let's live our life the way we want because we are worth the whole value of our molecules, the weight of it. But if what Jesus says is true, we have a potential and we weigh for eternity in heaven. What Jesus has promised is much more than that. What he wants to offer us is much more than that. Christians, what are your treasures in these fleeting years? And for all of us, do we know this Jesus who offered us this heaven? We'll be heading down later for morning tea and I hope there'll be a chance to have more chats about it. There's no pressure, but it's a great time to think about our lives. Can I please pray for us? Dear God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for Children's Day, for the children you have given to some of us, and for all of us who are children of our parents. More than that, we thank you that Jesus says we can call you our own Heavenly Father, if only we are willing to come to you. For you say we are worth more than all the earthly treasures in this world, and we are made in your image, and we are made to live with you forever. For those who are Christians here, we pray. I pray, God, that you will help us to store up treasures in heaven rather than spend our lives merely on earthly goods. For all our friends, our loved ones who have joined us today, that, God, you will show yourselves to them when they take the step forward to just think further and to engage with the Bible and if it is true. All this we pray for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.